This is Remembering Yugoslavia, the show exploring the memory of a country that no longer exists. I'm your host, Peter Korchnak. The Second Yugoslavia was founded on November 29, 1943, in the Bosnian and Herzegovinian town of Jajce. On that day, at its second session, Avnoi, short for Antifascističko Vijeće Narodnog Oslobođenja Yugoslavije, or the Antifascist Council for the National Liberation of Yugoslavia, the wartime umbrella of national liberation organizations, or the Partisans, proclaimed the establishment of Socialist Federal Yugoslavia. November 29th was a major patriotic holiday in Socialist Yugoslavia. On this Dan Republike, or the Day of the Republic, citizens enjoy two days off work, taking trips, visiting family, organizing feasts. It was a very popular date for weddings and for pig and lamb slaughter. First graders took their young pioneer oaths, and schools held performances, readings, recitals, and other events. Companies awarded medals to accomplished workers, cannon salvos were shot from castles in the Republican capitals, Newspapers ran features, TV channels showed marathons of old films about partisans and cartoons for kids. The Day of the Republic went the way of the country it celebrated. Croatia was the first to abolish it in 1990, rump Yugoslavia comprising Serbia and Montenegro the last in 2002. But the holiday, or rather Yugoslavia's birthday, is kept alive around former Yugoslavia. Foremost among these events is the Days of Avnoi, an official commemoration organized by the Museum of the Second Avnoi Session. Every last Saturday in November, several thousand people from all across former Yugoslavia gather in Yaitse for the festivities. Except this year, of course, because of the pandemic. Only a small commemoration ceremony limited to 30 socially distanced and masked people was held at the museum. Here to help me make sense of this phenomenon in this town in this day and age is Larisa Kurtovic, a political anthropologist studying political life in the aftermath of war and socialism. She is an assistant professor at the Faculty of Social Sciences at the University of Ottawa. She is at work on the book Future as Predicament, Bosnia-Herzegovina and Political Life After Catastrophe, informed in part by her childhood experience of living through the Siege of Sarajevo and its aftermath. Among other things, Larissa has studied commemorations of defunct socialist Yugoslav holidays and their protagonists. A lot of times, these groups obviously traffic in a certain kind of a nostalgia for the socialist period, but that nostalgia wasn't just past-oriented. 3,000 comrades, a third-term mayor, and a general major of Tito's Guard also make an appearance. It is impossible to understand the Days of Avno event without first understanding the city where it's held. As with everything in Bosnia and Herzegovina, it's a bit of a complicated story. Bijajce is this fairy tale like place. It's this town that was built on the confluence of two rivers, Pliva and Verbas, right? And it, it features in its center this beautiful waterfall. And, uh, you know, in the background of it is a, a medieval fort. Built at the turn of the 14th century, in the course of which Bijajce was the capital of the Bosnian kingdom. At the top of a pyramidal hill, the citadel crowns a terraced complex of ramparts, towers, and other medieval and Ottoman-era buildings. A souvenir shop up there proudly flies the flag of Socialist Yugoslavia. 
The waterfall with the walled city in the background and the wooded hills all around is the most famous and most photographed view of Yaitse. And there's just so much history that's laid out in this one small place. And then part of that history was obviously the fact that you know, this was a celebrated, iconic city of socialist Yugoslavia. Residents of Yaitse, you know, people who are from Yaitse, are very proud of the history of their hometown and um, the significance that it had during the medieval Bosnian kingdom and also during socialism. So Yaite was uh, essentially a company town. This is common, right, throughout Bosnia in particular, the predominance of one of one economic entity that's typically a factory. So for Yaite, this was Elektrobosna. This was a factory that had originally been built during the Austro-Hungarian Empire, but then was uh, expanded significantly during socialism. Elektrobosna is, is a ferrocilicium producing plant, but it, it was basically one of these combines, so combinat, that, that essentially owned all these subsidiary companies in town. So there was a department store, but the, the owner of the department store was Elektrobosna. There was a football team, but, you know, they were also Elektrobosna. You know, most of the uh, residents of Yaitse before the war had uh, one, at least one family member who worked for Elektrobosna, right? So this was very much the foundation of the, of the econ- local economy. At the height of its industrial power, Elektrobosna sold 25,000 tons of silicon metals, a lot of it to Western European manufacturers. It employed some 3,000 workers in a town of 12 to 13,000 and accounted for 14% of socialist Bosnia's total export sales. Yaitse used to be uh, this model socialist community that also had this tremendous symbolic power and significance in the canon of Yugoslav socialism because it had been the birthplace of socialist Yugoslavia. It had been a kind of a regional center. Uh, it was very multi-ethnic, and it had a particularly brutal experience of the war insofar that there were two different uh, military conquests and the concomitant waves of ethnic cleansing. Early in the Bosnian War, nearly all Serbs fled or were expelled from the town by separate Bosniak and Croat forces. Republika Srpska army retaliated with heavy bombardment and overtook the town, forcing in turn a Bosniak and Croat exodus. Bosnian Croat forces recaptured the town in 1995, allowing Croats and later Bosniaks to return. Along the main drag in Yaitse's old town, two 1990s war memorials stand across the street from one another. On one side, by the town's main mosque, the memorial to Bosniaks killed in the quote-unquote armed aggression. On the other side, a memorial fountain to Croat fighters killed in the quote-unquote homeland war. And then the community had been sutured back together into this um, town in the central Bosnian canton where Bosnian Muslims, Bosniaks, and Croats uh, share governance. So um, the central Bosnian canton features some of these divided institutions and ethnically divided schools, ethnically segregated schools. Except that in Yaitse, things were a bit more complicated because um, there had never been a direct military confrontation between Croats and Muslims there. So when these forms of co-governance were reestablished in the aftermath of the war, the residents of Yaitse often say this, that, you know, Yaitse is just not as divided as some of these um, other cities that have gained infamy, such as Mostar, for example. Like elsewhere in Bosnia and Herzegovina, the post-Dayton world ensnared Yaitse in questionable privatization and economic decline. 
most of Yates's current problems stem from um, this incredible deindustrialization that took place really violently. In many ways, in the aftermath of war, it has been subject to so many of these processes that um, you see everywhere else in, in, in Bosnia, including the industrialization, the effects of privatization of the economy. Electrobosna was broken up into several subsidiaries and sold off. Its privatization and subsequent history is now a common, sordid, and convoluted tale. The company still exists, but it's struggling and employs only a tiny fraction of its former workforce. The bottom line? Yaitse experienced very much the breakup of Yugoslavia and the war as a kind of a story of its own ruination, as not just as a community, but as an economic powerhouse and as a certain kind of a center. So key problems in town are unemployment and disemployment. What's more, between 1991 and 2013, Yaitse's population halved. In addition to the great many refugees who never returned, a great many others have left for better economic prospects abroad. Among the remaining 7,100 people in Yaitse proper, Bosniaks and Croats now each comprise some 45% of the population. So there is a humongous diaspora that's mostly in Scandinavia, but also elsewhere in Western Europe, and some people are also in the United States and in Australia. And uh, there were a lot of empty uh, apartments, empty, empty houses, some um, that basically uh, were being preserved for the retirement yet to come, that, you know, someday these diasporan Bosnians, residents of Yaita would come back and retire. I haven't done the research. I don't know how many managed to realize these dreams. People go um, and finish degrees in um, sometimes in, in other cities in, in Bosnia where there are universities and then come back and then they have trouble finding work. And so there has been a lot of out-migration uh, from Yaid said this is actually something that's happening all over Bosnia. There is a lot of socioeconomic struggle, right, that I think characterizes the life of the town. And then there are new kind of dimensions, political dimensions of everyday life as well. The state um, um, and public sector jobs have be- become some of the most coveted in the in the local context. And so, so a lot of people, um, you know, see a steady public sector job as the goldmine. The irony is that uh, those jobs um, are uh, distributed uh, as a form of kind of political favor to members of various political parties. So this has become a clientelistic economy tied to the local political establishment. I mean, you know, Yaitz is a, is a small community where um, nationalist parties have been sharing power for 20 plus years. At the hotel restaurant, I spoke with a local business owner, let's call her Iveta. A non-practicing Catholic, she fled Yaitz during the war and spent over a decade in Norway as a refugee. She felt the urge to return to her roots and family who stayed behind or moved back. Because she is not affiliated with any political party, she constantly runs into problems with operating her business, whether it's permits or deliveries or what have you. Her disillusion cut through the smoke of her cigarette. Everything is divided in this country, and if you refuse to play along, you won't get a lot done, she told me. She was considering leaving again to rejoin her children in Norway. She added, we're the bottom of the bottom in this country. There was this sense that the story was much more complicated and that the socioeconomics and the questions of political power were far more important than the nationalist divisions that everybody read into the town. I think that there is a much bigger story here and that this is playing out in a particular way in this community. That is, you know, 
politically heterogeneous. I don't want to give you this impression that that everybody in Yaita is Yugo nostalgic. There are plenty of nationalists, um, you know, of all kinds in, in the community as well. It is against this backdrop that the commemorations of Yugoslavia's founding take place. Before 2008, smaller commemorations were co-organized by a variety of groups, particularly partisan veteran associations, various anti-fascist groups, and what I call Tito fan clubs. Tito Memorial Societies, Društva Josip Tito, emerged in the aftermath of the breakup of Yugoslavia and the end of the so-called Yugoslav Wars of Secession. These groups, in fact, there are many of them in Bosnia, um, in places like Sarajevo, in, in Yaitse. Some of them are defunct now, but uh, in places like Tuzla, but also in, in Slovenia, in Croatia. And these, gr- these groups, these networks of Tito Memorial Societies help um, organize various kinds of celebrations of what are now defunct Yugoslav socialist holidays. So the um, Day of the Republic, the November 29th, or the day of fi- founding of Second Yugoslavia in the town of Yaitse is one of these occasions. In 2007, the Croatian paper Jutarni List reported that 600 people came to the last such informal celebration. The event ended in disagreement on practical matters. Delegations from all the republics had agreed on a potluck-style celebration, but only the Slovenes held up their end of the bargain, while, the rag wrote, the others failed. So because of disagreement over food and drinks, Yugoslavia fell apart again on the eve of 29 November into several separate celebrations that lasted late into the night, end quote. In 2008, the newly opened Museum of the Second Session of Avnoi took over the commemoration of Yugoslavia's founding. The official event, called Days of Avnoi, has been held on the last Saturday in November ever since. I attended the event last year. The museum stands on the right bank of the Pliva, a few hundred meters upstream from the famous waterfall. The blocky, rough-hewn stone building with views of Old Town dates to Royal Yugoslavia, when, beginning in 1935, it served as a headquarters of the local Sokol Society, a pan-Slavic exercise and sport movement. During World War II, it served as a Croatian independent state prison, which partisans burned down and then upon their return to town in 1943, rebuilt into a cultural space just in time for the second session of Avnoi. In 1953, the Yugoslavian government established the Museum of the Second Session of Avnoi as a principal promoter of Yugoslavia's founding myth and a keeper of its collective memory. It was one of the most visited museums in the country, whose citizens from schoolchildren to workers' collectives to partisan organizations made modern pilgrimages to the site. During the Bosnian War, the building was heavily damaged and most of its exhibits looted or destroyed. Its fortunes improved in 2002 when it was declared a national monument. In 2008, the Museum of the Second Session of Avnoi was partially renovated and reopened on the 65th anniversary of that session and of Yugoslavia's founding. 
We are above all a historical site, not a museum in the traditional sense because we do not have collections. Everything we have is on display. What we had disappeared during the war. Only about 10% of our objects have been returned. That's Emsa Daleko, the museum's director since 2014. We spoke at her office, where a heater hummed along and the radio played poppy tunes. When I visited before the 2019 days of Avnoy, I have the entire museum to myself. In the vestibule, a memorial plaque hanging above the portrait of Tito in partisan uniform proclaims, Representatives of all Yugoslav nations decided here on 29 November 1943 at the second session of Avnoy to form a federal republic as part of a national liberation and revolutionary struggle. Avnoy declared post-war Yugoslavia would be built on a democratic federal principle as a community of equal peoples, comprising six equal republics. Sunshine streaming in from windows underneath a black ceiling lends the theater-like auditorium an airy feel. I almost tiptoe so as not to disturb the reverential silence of the place. The charcoal-lacquered hardwood floor creaks as I walk between the exhibits showcasing wartime histories of each former republic and rows of chairs and benches in the middle. Flags of Socialist Yugoslavia, Soviet Union, the US and the UK cover the support pillars. Painted on the walls are slogans, Long live the brotherly Red Army, long live Comrade Tito, long live Comrade Stalin, long live our allies, USSR, England and America, and long live our heroic National Liberation Armies. Between portraits of Churchill, Tito, Marx, Stalin and FDR. Above the stage, block letters proclaim Smrt fascismu, sloboda narodu, death to fascism, freedom to the people. I resist the temptation to step over a red rope barrier and sit in the armchair whence Tito watched the proceedings in 1943. Red curtains flank the stage in whose far-right corner a larger-than-life gold-painted statue of Tito once stood against the back wall where two elongated flags of Yugoslavia hang around its coat of arms. A white bust of Tito dominates the front and center of the stage. Here visitors line up to take photos, one arm wrapped around the shoulders, the other in a clenched fist salute. We get a lot of visitors, about 20,000 people annually, which we've already surpassed this year. And that's just ticket sales. During events like Days of Avnoy, we're open free of charge. People come from all over. When the museum first opened, most visitors who came had a nostalgic connection to Yugoslavia, to the pastimes. They wished to return for a while to their childhood, their youth. Nowadays, more and more young people come, people born after the 90s war, elementary and high school students, on excursions, mostly from Bosnia and Herzegovina, but also increasingly from Slovenia. Of all the former republics, Slovenes visit the most, a lot of them in big groups, on organized trips. They have strong associations of anti-fascists and partisan veterans. People from other republics come mostly on family trips or school trips. I forget who said it, but it's true that those who destroyed Yugoslavia did not count on Yugo-nostalgia. I think this remembrance would not be as strong and as long-lasting if people were satisfied with their countries and societies after the disintegration of Yugoslavia. Some 5,000 people attended the reopening of the museum in 2008, Leko told me. The turnout at the event spawned the idea of the museum holding Days of Avnoy as an official annual event. 
On the eve of the Days of Amnoy festivities, a new art show opens in the building's basement, which has been converted into a gallery space. I spoke with this year's exhibit's curator, Elma Hojic, whom you may remember from the story about the historical museum of Bosnia and Herzegovina. We built tracks. The tracks built us. is a project which we developed together with four students of the Academy of Fine Arts. They actually had the possibility to spend over three months in the museum collection and to see the stories of the collection, the techniques that artists uh, used in the Second World War and in post-war period to create art. And they've also made their own interpretations of these um, works of art made in that period. I think that uh, the title of the exhibition is fantastic and it's very giving hope in, in our own participation and how we can today rebuild or build infrastructure in a physical but also in a mental way. Nowadays we have a new audience and we have to ask that audience, do we actually build tracks together? Good question, and one that both Elma and the museum director M. Sadaleko contribute to answering in the affirmative. While Leko has strong reservations about the political and economic situation in Bosnia and Herzegovina, she also says, I love my job. I love this museum. I love it because it caretakes the memory of a bright period in our history, of the national liberation struggle, of partisans who were on the right side of history in that war, of us when we were a better people than we are today. Hi there, it's me, Peter Korchnag, the creator and producer of Remembering Yugoslavia with a quick peek at the making of the podcast. I interview people across the Balkans and beyond and spend a good amount of time and energy writing and recording and editing to bring you these stories, interviews and analysis two to four times a month. It is your support that makes this reporting possible. Ensure I can cover the next important story and keep the memory of the country that no longer exists alive by supporting me on Patreon please go to patreon.com slash rememberingyugoslavia and donate today. All right, back to the story. Saturday noon, people gather for the wreath-laying ceremony at the memorial fountain to fighters and liberators of the city of Yaitse. The fountain consists of three concrete pylons, nestled horizontally into striped support slabs and interconnected so as to lead water between a number of fountain bowls. The memorial sits on a platform between the city ramparts and the Travnik gatehouse. Over a pair of loudspeakers, a museum staffer calls delegations from all former republics, Bosnia's cantons, and municipalities, comprising representatives of anti-fascist organizations, partisan veteran associations, and Tito societies, to queue up. One after another, in a procession that's as solemn as it is operatic, each delegation, mostly duos and trios, step up to the monument and lay their wreaths, sprays, and bouquets where directed, arranging the printed ribbons for greatest effect. They stand in silence for a moment, salute, bow, and move along. Large and small flags of Socialist Yugoslavia, of Bosnia and Herzegovina, of Montenegro, a couple of Macedonia, a few of individual associations, and a giant red one of Skoy, Socialist Yugoslavia's youth association, wave against a clear blue sky above the shoulder-to-shoulder crowd. According to later estimates in the local media, I am one of more than 3,000 visitors attending Yugoslavia's 76th birthday celebration. 
a lot of times these groups obviously traffic in a certain kind of a nostalgia for the socialist period. But that nostalgia wasn't just past-oriented. It was also a means through which one could critique the uh, newly emerging nationalist order of things. Obviously, there is a whole choreography to their activities. They're celebrating these defunct socialist-era holidays. There's a lot of dressing up. I'm also one of the younger people in the crowd, which skews into senior years. Amidst gray hair, dyed dues, winter coats and hats and day packs, I see less paraphernalia than I expected, but distinctly of the moment. Titovka and young pioneer caps with the red star, old Yugoslav pins and badges bedecking caps and hats and shirts and jackets, here and there a dusted-off partisan uniform or a t-shirt with Tito's likeness, a clever slogan or the Yugoslav flag. Lanyard saying, life was better under Tito. A couple of jokers in exaggerated cosplay assemblages. And red, lots of red, scarves, hats, shirts, as many participants accessorized in the occasion-appropriate color code to mark their belonging. Elma's experience attending Days of Avno in the past was similar, though of course she, having been born in the late 1980s, is of a different generation. We don't believe that this meeting in Yaitza was important. We don't know why uh, 29 of November is important. I was actually very, at the beginning I was a bit afraid, but then I've seen friends of my parents in Yaitze, people that never spoke about Yugoslavia. They were there as well. They were present. I felt that I had discovered one aspect, one very nostalgic aspect of my society that I did not knew it existed. Um, so nowadays we do not commemorate, we more celebrate. And I think that Dani Avnoya in Yaitse are actually an opportunity for people to gather from different parts of uh, ex-Yugoslavia in order to celebrate their values, their anti-fascism. And I think that personally they can be annoying for some uh, citizens of Bosnia and Herzegovina and Croatia and Serbia nowadays. Because these people had very strong ideological beliefs and today's society does not have one common story to share. After the ceremony at the memorial fountain wraps up, here and there a spontaneous cola dance breaks out. The crowd disperses, streaming across the green middle bridge over the Pliva to the parking lot outside the museum where a stage is bustling with final preparations. Under the empty gaze of shelled roofless houses sprouting for-sale signs and ivy behind a fence, Mayor Edin Hoza, who was in the 2020 municipal election re-elected for a third term, opens the program with a welcome message. In the name of Yaitse Municipality and my own, it is my honor to welcome all of you who came from all corners of former Yugoslavia at Days of Avnoi, which commemorate events we all should remember and be proud of. From this event, a nice picture of Yaitse will go out into the world. I hope, if God provides, we'll meet again in better health and better cheer in future years. Evo mi imamo situaciju da, da imamo tu sreću da načelnik općine dođe We're fortunate the mayor of Yaitse attends the event every year to greet the visitors. It's a big deal for him to welcome them. But we get no funds from the municipal budget, unlike other cultural and sports events in town. 
The municipality does cover a portion of guest performers fees, but there isn't enough support on the council for us. Yugoslavia evoking musical numbers by the Yaitse Pensioners Choir, you just heard, and the local rock group Lazy Band alternate with speeches by delegates from former Yugoslav republics in an echo of the gathering back in 1943. They represent anti-fascist organizations or Tito Memorial Societies, and in their addresses they all exhort Yugoslavia's qualities and poo-poo today's realities. With just a tiny stretch of imagination, the delegates' appearance exemplifies attitudes toward Yugoslavia in their respective countries. There is no delegate from Slovenia. The Croat, an unassuming middle-aged man Civis, says, Yugoslavia was the best thing that ever happened in the Balkans since humans settled it, to cheers of bravo from the crowd. The Montenegrin, wearing a bright red lipstick, red scarf and red heels and a stylish tan coat, could be going on a date or church or here to what she calls a holy place and a symbol of a better tomorrow. The Bosnian is a member of the diaspora in Germany, representing associations of wartime wounded from around Western Europe. The Macedonian dons the uniform of Tito's Guard, the ceremonial troops of the Yugoslav National Army, including an officer's cap and a light blue-gray overcoat with a yellow braided belt. Macedonian delegates did not make it to the second Avnoi session, so he forgoes a long speech and breaks into one of the most famous patriotic and Tito-hailing Yugoslav songs, Long Live Yugoslavia. <laughs> Zemio <laughs> 
živela Jugoslavia. Volimo te, naša mati, nećemo te nikom dati, živela Jugoslavia. Tu je rođen maršal Tito, naše ime ponosito, to heroja se osvet ga zna. Blago zemlji što ga ima, patit će se vekovima, živela Jugoslavia. Blago zemlji što ga ima, patit će se vekovima, Živela Jugoslavia, živela Jugoslavia, živeli drugovi. The Serb in a mint partisan uniform wags his finger and enunciates to rile up the crowd. At the end of the program, the famous Bosnian actor, writer and activist Josip Pejakovic, financed in part by the Yaitse municipality, delivers his monodrama Država, or Country, part autobiographical monologue, part political satire stand-up, to bursts of laughter and appreciative applause. As the program concludes, the spectators disperse towards their buses and cars, buying last-minute Yugo souvenirs, trinkets for kids, or dried meat from vendor stands lining the way. There's a whole material culture to it, um, souvenirs with images of, of Marshall Tito, uh, T-shirts. Always at every single one of these events, there's at least somebody selling old antiquated books from the socialist period and all this memorabilia, right? There's uh, a way one could tell so many stories through these objects and through these practices. As I mingle through the crowd observing the festivities, I am trying to make sense of it all. 
Back at the museum, a panel in the exhibit on its history asks about days of Avnoi. Industry of the communist heritage or escapist defense mechanism? Nostalgia or fight for acceptable memory? Subversive or eugonostalgic? Perhaps it's all of those things. I find my answer after the wreath-laying ceremony when I meet up for coffee with members of the Josip Brostito Association from Velika Kladusha, a town on Bosnia and Herzegovina's border with Croatia. The three women, perhaps in their late 40s, early 50s, aren't all that interested in discussing what the organization does, what they think of Yugoslavia, the politics of today. They want to know if I'm married, if I have children, siblings, whether my parents are still alive and how their health is, and what do I think about their town which I'd passed the week before. We talk about their families, how their kids are doing at school, what time their group will head back today, and what's for dinner. Though they all know each other from their town, they rarely spend time together, what with work and family and other life's obligations. And in the course of the sit-down, it dawns on me this is what these groups are all about. They travel to places and events connected with Yugoslavia, sure, but the point is to socialize, to catch up with one another, to take a break from everything and spend time together as a group and with their comrades from other towns across former Yugoslavia. Though holidays like the Day of the Republic may have been in service to the system, to the regime, to the ideology, they were also vehicles for the social aspect of living in Yugoslavia. A lot of people I talk to across former Yugoslavia say that amidst the individualistic, everyone-for-themselves life of today, they miss people from other republics, they miss the fellowship that was part of the common experience in that country. Larisa Kurtovic came to the same conclusion a decade earlier. These people are trying to keep alive the, this kind of an alternative vision of togetherness. People come together from various parts of what used to be the same country to celebrate these holidays, to hang out, to recognize one another as kindred souls, in a sense, right? And that, to me, was always really, um, really beautiful in a very particular way. Especially for people who are of a slightly older generation, who grew up habituated to these forms of togetherness, to what are known as isletit, so the, the field trips, to um, these celebrations, even to things like, you know, Yugoslav work actions, where the youth of Yugoslavia would not just go to build railways and, and roads, but also to build this uh, famous thing called Brotherhood and Unity. So to get to know people from other parts of Yugoslavia, to perhaps fall in love, to have a fling, you know, to make lifelong friends. I think that it's really important to recognize that part of what's being recreated or, or what people are after during these celebrations is also recreating these possibilities, even though they're much older right now, and those possibilities may take different forms. It's political in a different kind of a sense, because uh, one of the things that the war had done is, of course, is it erected these national frontiers, you know, where there used to be one country. But it also, I think, eliminated some of these possibilities for druženje. Which is often translated as socializing, but which also carries the subtext of comedy, community, and camaraderie, implying intimacy that marks solidarity and fellowship among close acquaintances and friends. In fact, some native speakers translate druženje as intimacy. People got a lot busier, uh, survival became a lot more difficult. And so when you see these kinds of um, organized efforts to come together, they're also trying to revive these traditions of collective trips and field trips. I think that, that that dimension is is quite important and, and that it has this kind of a subtle political character insofar that it points to a different way of being in the world. 
a lot of people in Yaitse in particular um, had seen the destructive effect of ethnic nationalism and were looking for an alternative set of political orientations and narratives. This is not just Yaitse, this is much of former Yugoslavia. One of the forms in which opposition to ethnic nationalism took was through a kind of a, a return to anti-nationalist, uh, socialist era values and ideas uh, about what made community, what was the good life, um, you know, how society ought to be uh, organized, what are the values that ought to be upheld. Emsad Aleko, the museum's director, is one of the Yaitse residents with this experience. She recalls Yugoslavia fondly. People were more satisfied, happier, they socialized more. They say we lived in a totalitarian dictatorship, but us young people, we didn't feel that way at all. Politics didn't interest us, we didn't follow it. We were free to travel anywhere, we listened to rock music, we wore the same clothes as people in the West did. The living standard wasn't high, but some basic things were guaranteed, like free health care, free education, various opportunities for housing. Bosnia was perhaps the most satisfied Yugoslav Republic because we were the most protected here. I'm one of the people who think neoliberal capitalism isn't good. It deprives us of solidarity, social justice, lots of other things. I had addressed my query to the Velika Kladesha group to its then-leader Kaites Kaito Sabljakovic, whom a 2018 feature story in Jutarni List described as one of the greatest living keepers of the memory of former Yugoslavia, the most dedicated fan of the persona and works of the country's greatest son, that's Tito, and a chronic nostalgic for the times that will never return. But he was in the hospital and the association traveled to Yaitse without him for the first time in their history. Kaito died two weeks after the event. He was 64. In addition to all the senior and middle-aged citizens, I also saw a good number of youths at Days of Avnoi, people who have no memory, let alone lived experience, of socialist Yugoslavia. Why are they here? There's something really interesting in this idea that, you know, th things could be different, or that we could organize the world differently, that we could um, base our political projects, our, our future-making on a different set of, set of ideals and different set of ideas about... Um, togetherness about um, what matters. I see the, the continuing interest of younger generations precisely through that impulse. Today um, in Bosnia, a particular type of nationalism is really becoming entrenched and has occupied much of you know, the kind of lived experience. Especially young people see the contradiction between the ideology and practice, see the injustice, see the way things are not functioning as they should be. They are seeking out alternatives. And one of these alternatives is actually um, rooted in a certain kind of a history that predated the war. And I, I don't think that that impulse is going to go away precisely because youth who are, um, you know, activists in orientation, uh, who um, are inspired by other leftist movements around the world, these things are very much global. I'm not making a claim of, about how representative that kind of interest it is. Maybe it's like something that's on the fringes, right? But it's definitely, you know, you see it among uh, young leftists, the need to reckon with and, and investigate in a curiosity about what it all means. 
this imaginary is available to the new generations in various forms. And um, anybody who's interested in um, leftist politics in the region. Early next morning, a Sunday, the town is deserted. At the Travnik gate, a score of red petals strewn at my feet fills me with apprehension. Then my heart sinks. At the memorial fountain, a scene of carnage. Most of the wreaths, sprays and bouquets have been destroyed overnight. The remains, heads, petals, branches, ribbons, even the event poster, ripped and scattered and trampled around the site. There's nothing left to do but collect it all on a compost pile, perhaps there it won't be in anyone's way. The perpetrators of this act of vandalism would never be found, if they were ever sought in the first place. And so I leave Yaitse in a ponderous mood. I came searching for meaning, with the preconceived notion that what the people celebrating the defunct birthday of the defunct country are doing is commemorate the prosperous and peaceful times before they became the losers of the transition to liberal economy or succumbed to retirement. I discovered they gather to be in each other's company, to again be comrades, to hang out and socialize with people from their country, the one that no longer exists, if only for a day, and that not everyone's happy about that. And then, on the winding, rising road to Pliva Lake, the backside of both the Welcome to Yaitse and Come Again signs is tagged with the letters SFRJ, S-F-R-J, the acronym for the Socialist Federal Republic of Yugoslavia. Turns out, I was in Yugoslavia all along. Next on Remembering Yugoslavia. In a special Christmas episode, I'll play a dozen Neo-Yugoslavist or Yugoslavia-themed songs to find out why some artists celebrate that disappeared country in their music. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to make sure you won't miss out.
That's all for this episode of Remembering Yugoslavia. Thank you for listening and visiting Days of Avnoi with me. Find additional information, photos from 2019 Days of Avnoi, and a transcript of this episode in the show notes at rememberingyugoslavia.com slash podcast. Special thanks to Lindsay Sauvé. Outro music courtesy of Robert Petrich. Additional music by Kids Pop Hor, as well as No Sense, Pa, and Petar Alargic, the latter three licensed under Creative Commons. I am Peter Korchniak. Ciao!